oh, if I had just fallen like two feet further to the left or two feet further to the right, like I might not be here right now. You know, it was a very strong slap. I felt like from mother earth, like literally mother earth kind of slapped me. And as I was laying there in meditation after this moment, I had a really clear message that you need to stay here. You're not traveling this summer. You need to stay here and finish the book. of the spheres podcast this is sabrina monarch and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution i'm an evolutionary astrologer a clairvoyant and a thought leader and i started this podcast to have more eclectic conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development on this episode i interviewed wendy may who recently came out with a book called regenerative purpose and so we had a conversation about what she's discovered about purpose as a process more than it is a thing, purpose as relational, more than it is personal, and more. We discussed the nature of abundance and how that relates to money and things beyond money, how abundance relates to both giving and receiving. See if you can feel the peaceful Taurian vibes between her Taurus sun and Taurus moon and my Taurus moon. It was very Venusian and there were some beautiful like background sounds too that I feel added to this overall peaceful ambiance. Wendy and I first connected around a year ago and it was actually a conversation with her that sparked my choice to start bringing my written forecast, which I've been writing for years, to YouTube, which I've been doing ever since and also bring onto this podcast. So I have a lot of gratitude to her for that and continued to feel elevated by being in conversation with her for this episode. Wendy May is a purpose pathlight, author and speaker for regenerative purpose, which treats purpose as dynamic, relational, and co-creative. She left corporate life in 2015 to embrace a heart-led journey of service work. Wendy now facilitates the process of community-centered purpose alignment through her purpose collab circles. She also teaches and guides self-inquiry based on the ancient esoteric wisdom of the Enneagram. I'll leave you to our conversation now. I hope that you enjoy. Welcome, Wendy. I'm excited to be sitting down to talk with you. Yeah, me too. It's been a long time coming. It has. And congratulations on your book, Regenerative Purpose. Thank you. Um, I would love to hear about your writing process. I'd love to hear, you know, how you got on this path of researching and writing about purpose. Um, and we'll start from there, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting question. Like when people ask me, like, where did you get the idea from the book? Or why did you decide to write this book? It feels like it wasn't a single event or a single moment. It was an accumulation of different experiences and insights. Um, and at the time that I was going through them, I wouldn't have named them purpose related. You know, for me, it was, you know, starting with my own journey when I was in a corporate job in San Francisco, working crazy hours and super burnt out and just 
kind of on the outside of my life. What it's what I call a, a fake plant life. You know, it looked really shiny and beautiful and perfect on the outside, but didn't have this vitality or aliveness um, in it. And I felt like oh, I've accomplished everything in my life, pretty much that I was told that I should do. But I still feel this kind of like emptiness and just, yeah, like something was off, you know? So I started thinking, okay, what else is there to life, you know? And there was a lot of death involved, right? A lot of letting go, a lot of just shedding of identity and accomplishments and things that I had worked my whole life to get that I then just sort of obliterated, (laughs) Um, and yeah, so that was 2015. I quit my corporate job and started traveling and I didn't really know what I was going to be doing next. I definitely didn't set out to be a purpose coach, um, or a purpose book author, but what happened organically was people started reaching out to me for help with what I would call like life transition, uh, mostly women. So I started working with women one-on-one and then I started doing retreats for women. My first retreat was called Life Reboot Retreat. So it was really just kind of this idea of like, okay, you want to change something in your life. You want to have a reset and it doesn't matter whether it's leaving your job or leaving your husband or leaving the city that you live in. Um, It was about how to navigate that void space of dropping everything that you know and stepping into the unknown and just tools and practices and exercises and community to support that. Um, And after doing that for a few years, I started to knit together the threads of that into what later became this book, Regenerative Purpose. So it was more like looking in the rear view mirror to see, okay, what what has my life been about and what am I actually helping people with? And the book was halfway written by the time I decided I was writing a book because it was a collection of blog posts that I had written over the years and different conversations that I'd had with people and notes that I had written to myself. Um, Yeah. And then at some point it was just became really, really clear that I got many signals from the universe that I was being assigned the job of writing this book. Um, and I resisted it a lot, actually, at the beginning. It's like, no, no, I don't want to write a book. That sounds like way too much work. And I don't know how to do that. And I don't think I can be successful at it. And it's definitely not going to make me any money. And why would I do that? You know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious, like, how you knew to leave your job. Like, what was that process? Um, Honestly, two years before I quit my corporate life, I got laid off. So actually, life was already showing me the door and I didn't want to believe it. So I went and traveled for a few months, went to Bali, had sort of a spiritual awakening of sorts, and then came back and took another job, like pretty much the exact same job at a different company. And that whole year, I suffered a lot. And during that trip to Bali, I also met someone a man who I, you know, sort of projected all these future fantasies onto and was still in connection with that whole year. And he became the carrot to get me to leave. Um, Life is very clever because, you know, I have this orientation around relationships and wanting to have a partner and have a relationship. And so 
it's almost like life knew that in order to get me out of my situation, it had to dangle this carrot. Yeah, to get me to be motivated. You know, I wasn't going to do it for myself, basically. So it had to be some other excuse. And then, of course, as soon as I made the decision to quit my job, uh, my connection with this man completely dissolved. Like he disappeared and stopped messaging me. I was quitting my job to go and be with him in Asia, where he was living, still lives. And it was just like a trick. (laughs) I quit my job and then he stopped contacting me. I love that you bring this in like this already mystical perspective around purpose. And I, I really relate with what you're saying and feeling tricked um, and kind of like, what is that intelligence at play? And even, you know, talking about life, showing you the door. So I, you know, this is a sense I get from your book and also from you just now that your perspective on purpose is more cosmic than just like an individual kind of bouncing around in space. Like I'm going to do what, you know, I've, you know, like there's something you literally, you know, call it relational. And you also mentioned like the, you know, the transition and the void space. Um, And so I want to go back to that too, of just like, what is the void space and how does it fit into the bigger picture around discovering purpose? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, cosmic purpose. I would say that is what I'm offering. Um, I mean, there's many different names for it. Like I call it regenerative purpose, but you could just as easily call it relational purpose, feminine purpose, interdependent purpose. Um, Cosmic purpose is a new one. I like that as well. But I would say it's, it's sort of a counterpoint to the mainstream ideology around purpose, which I would say is much more, I don't know, it's almost easier to say what it's not than to say what it is. So it's not the classic traditional notion of purpose where, you know, you hear a lot of people talking about finding your purpose or figuring out your purpose, which to me is a very egocentric, individualistic, me-focused um, masculine, linear, goal-directed orientation, which is kind of where we've been. And I would say my notion around purpose is a little bit more, I don't know, some people have called it sort of like new paradigm purpose. And it's this idea of purpose not being a thing that you own um, or um, even a mission that you figure out, but much more of this dynamic flow of energy and this dance between you and the rest of the universe and you as part of the universe. So it's about having your like unique individual spark of expression while being very, very connected to this collective fields of consciousness at the same time. Right. And that those two things can't be separated and they're part of the same, um, weaving of existence, basically. You know, I talk about the Mobius strip of meaning in the book. And Mobius strip is this kind of, you know, geometric figure that appears to have two sides, but it's actually just one side when you follow it. And it's also kind of this infinite loop, right? So it's this idea that there's no separation between healing ourselves and helping others, um, which I think some 
ways of approaching purpose can lead us into this sort of savior mentality, which then becomes really heavy, right? This idea of like, I need to fix something or solve something or help someone else other. And that can become kind of almost like a martyrdom where it becomes like this burden or people get contracted in anxiety and fear around, I don't know what my purpose is. And then that becomes almost like a source of shame or guilt. Like, um, I've heard people say this, like, oh, I'm so privileged. I've been giving so many advantages in life. I should really do something useful with that. And then it becomes burdened with this sense of guilt and shame of, I don't know what it is, you know, and it just actually stops the flow of energy. This is so, yeah, like I feel the, the energetic awareness in this is I think distinguishing about your perspective because it's looking at the flow of, I guess, how the universe wants to move through us and how we either empower that flow and dance with that flow or obstruct it. And, um, I think you just really beautifully described some of what obstructs it, that heaviness, that sense of having to like save or be a martyr. And, um, how do you feel like perhaps like personally, and also for people that you work with, um, what do you think helps people find that intersection between like their own nature, their own identity, their own preferences, all of that. And, a greater role that's like bigger than them or a greater thing that might be coming through them. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's different things for different people. Um, but what I talk about in the book is there are four main qualities that I see associated with sort of unleashing this natural flow. Um, I mean, it's a concept, right? What I'm presenting is sort of like a theory of like, okay, if you get out of the way and you kind of remove your ego, then this transpersonal kind of process can happen through you. Um, but I guess I see it as a cultivation of qualities, right? So if we look at ourselves as a body, as a being, as an individual, as being a, a ground for purpose to be expressed or to grow from, it's about cultivating certain qualities in ourselves that are almost like fertilizer that allow that emergence to happen more easily um, and naturally without so much effort or pushing or stress, you know? So the four, what I call the four core purpose qualities, it's, um, I mean, it sounds so simple when I name them, but they're actually can be quite difficult to embody because of so much conditioning we have against them. But the four core qualities are authenticity, attunement, responsiveness, uh, and receptivity. So these are the four things that are sort of like part of this cyclical nature of purpose. And there, there's a polarity up between them. There's a balance of movements. There's sort of this, um, pushing and pulling and sort of, uh, outflow and inflow of energy that's created when we have these qualities, uh, more integrated in ourselves. I love that. Can, um, we dive into a few of these qualities and authenticity, yes, of, course, of course, like calls out to me. Authenticity. Mm. 
to me, authenticity is about wholeness. So I think that a lot of times when we think about authenticity, there's this duality between like the real self and the fake self, which I think that's one part of it is around dropping this need for performance or for meeting external expectations, which allows us to express more of who we are. But I think it's also, um, it also includes integrative work around the shadow, right? And shadow, not necessarily meaning dark or negative, but shadow just meaning unseen or unacknowledged. So I just had a conversation, uh, yesterday with, uh, my purpose collab circle around this. And we talked a lot about privilege and how, you know, being your authentic self means also owning privilege and not letting that be a barrier or an excuse, uh, but actually integrating all the parts of yourselves, even the ones that you feel shamed or guilty for having and using all of these raw materials as uh, the ingredients for your purpose expression. Um, same thing goes for trauma, right? So things that difficult things that we've experienced in our lives become assets when we look at authenticity from this whole person perspective, right? So there's certain experiences that you've gone through in your life, positive, negative, neutral, that are part of the unique makeup of who you are and what you can speak to with authenticity. And same thing goes for trauma, right? So things that difficult things that we've experienced in our lives become assets when we look at authenticity from this whole person perspective, right? So there's certain experiences that you've gone through in your life, positive, negative, neutral, that are part of the unique makeup of who you are and what you can speak to with authenticity. And what I like to say is that the only thing that you can be the utmost authority on is your own lived experience. So all of that is part of being an authentic expression of yourself, which is including everything, right? It's not just like puffing up the accomplishments and achievements and beautiful things that you've done, but it's also owning, uh, the wholeness is like, okay, we drop the preference and we just include all of it. That's beautiful. I love that exploration of what authenticity is. And as far as, you know, like integrating all of oneself that feels so just embodied. And, um, I like to think too, about considering, you know, if life were a dream or something and how we might act in a lucid dream, like if we're given certain, um, burdens or given certain opportunities, what are we going to do with that? If we're going to be very creative about this life, you know, as opposed to putting it in a box somewhere and preferring that it wasn't part of the story, like what if we include it? Um, and I feel like you, your vision of what abundance is also, I really appreciate. Um, it's, is it okay to talk about your astrology here? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Just like that you're a uh, Taurus sun, Taurus moon. I feel like you have like a special um, embodiment and like vision of abundance. I think of Taurus as a sign that's really about receptivity and abundance. Um, mm -hmm. And you make the point that, you know, it, 
it's about money and all of these other things that there's more to abundance than cash. And that idea has been really, um, instrumental for me in terms of becoming more open to receiving or more open to being on the path is just noticing like where I'm resourced, um, and becoming, Mm -hmm. you know, deeply aware of that. So I would love to hear, you know, some of your experiences with understanding the concept of abundance, um, and what you count in abundance besides money. Yeah. I mean, for me, abundance is, um, well, okay. First, let me make the distinction between abundance and receiving, because to me, abundance is energy flow in both directions. It's not just receiving abundance is also giving. So I talk about abundance being, um, a free flow of energy that has two faces, one of which is gratitude and the other one, which is generosity. So when we experience abundance as this movement of energy, it's, there's a balance of inflow and outflow, right? So this is what I think the lived experience of abundance feels like is that you're generously giving and you're gratefully receiving. So in terms of receiving more than just money, I would say we receive resource, right? And resource can be anything that supports and guides us. It doesn't necessarily have to be cash. Although when you are in this frequency of abundance, cash does tend to come more easily, right? Um, So yeah, resource uh, includes not just money, but also uh, opportunities to be on podcasts, uh, connections with people that have wisdom to share with us, supportive friendships, uh, you know, random conversations with strangers that give us an insight, uh, being included in certain networks of people that are co-evolving with us, uh, being in a community. So it's all the different ways that we receive support and guidance. And sometimes that actually looks like something that we don't like, So for example, rejection, right? Something that we typically don't like, um, I prefer not to experience, but that can also be part of abundance. It can be part of the receiving from life that is giving us guidance in a different direction, even though we may resist it, right? So that's something that sort of scrambles the mind in some ways, but um, yeah, I'm not sure if that answers your question, but yeah, I feel like abundance is two-sided and receiving is multidimensional. And I think in spiritual circles, there's been a bit of confusion or misunderstanding that people have now basically put the label of abundance onto money. (laughs) And just to talk about it in more spiritual terms, we just talk about abundance, but what we're really talking about is making money, which I think does a few things. It kind of, um, almost, uh, it's sort of light washing the matter of money being part of our 3D reality and kind of almost shames it that we need to put a spiritual name on it and call it abundance. Um, and I think it leaves out all of the non-money aspects of what we can possibly receive. Right. Yeah, I think 
That's a really interesting point. I, um, in my own kind of like journeys with abundance in financial terms, like working with my money mindset directly and income goals and all of that, and just abundance in general, um, I've seen that they're very much connected and that the practice of bringing our attention to enjoyment, pleasure, noticing how life is, you know, granting us something or giving us something actually magnifies more of that. And that's what some of the manifestation teachings that I've picked up talk about is like what you focus on grows and all of that. So seeing that as like a dynamic interconnected part of life has felt really important. And it is, it is kind of feminine, like, you know, drawing back to what you said before about like feminine purpose, that was also kind of a deeper inkling that I was getting from your work is that there's this deconstruction of some of the, the normative, maybe like patriarchal visions of, you know, what it means to be a person in the world and figuring out like a more embodied earthy, like intuitive felt sense of being interconnected in the world in a way that feels personally meaningful and impactful for those around us. Um, and so to also bring in the idea of generosity as part of abundance feels really beautiful too, because I think that sometimes when people are digging into abundance, there can, you know, they're also working with scarcity and feeling like they might not have enough. And it's, it's good to tune in too, with like, where am I, where am I resource to be generous? Um, and experimenting with being more generous uh, and seeing what happens from that. Yeah. I think for me, there's a distinction between this idea of resourcefulness, which is sort of um, a scarcity-based concept in my opinion, I guess. It's this idea that I don't have, I don't have enough, so I need to make do with what's available. And there's this kind of like um, struggle involved. Whereas I like to call it resourced fullness, which is to look at what is available for you to work with and be creative with that. So yeah, maybe the abundance is not necessarily in money form yet, but the more we look at the resources that are available and appreciate those, like you said, that energy then grows. Awesome. Yeah. I love that resourced fullness. That's a good like reframe. Um, so when it comes to kind of leaving, you know, the old paradigm and entering into the new paradigm, it feels like a lot of people are already kind of, you know, we're, we're being pulled that way. Um, where do you tend to see people, um, in their journey when like you're working with people, for example, or on purpose, I mean, I think that this is, it is what's happening, right? This idea of being more connected, more interdependent, more aware of our place in the collective. That's just, it's what's happening. And I talk about this as uh, a movement from empire building to wave making, right? So this idea mm. that purpose is less of a personal thing that we're trying to create some kind of legacy or some permanent imprint of our existence on earth where we're building these structures that we hope will outlast us. And we are kind of clinging to them 
versus moving more into the um, shared experience and shared creation and impermanent expression of life, which is, you know, being the water droplet in a wave and not being so concerned about identity and individual credit, but just seeing that this is what's happening on a larger scale. And as an individual spark of the divine, we are participating in it, but we're not necessarily directing it or achieving it or owning it. I love that. And I love your use of language, by the way. I feel like um, you have very like intentional names for these things. And I that's one thing that I was feeling when I was reading your work is this, it's writing about something as broad as purpose. You are taking like a big uh, concept and narrowing it down into words, into language. Um, and. I guess that leads me back to my curiosity of like, what was it like for you even just like writing the book? And if there was anything notable about that time period that was being kind of woven into that synchronistically or just how you felt about that process. Yeah. Well, I mean, writing the book was teaching myself what's in the book at the same time. So this whole Mobius strip of meaning, like I experienced it in the process of writing the book because it was healing me while I'm creating something which could potentially help others, right? It was absolutely uh, inextricably sort of tangled up in each other. So everything that I write about in the book, I experienced in the process. So you know, for example, this whole interdependence thing. So part of the process was I did a Kickstarter campaign and I received donations from like 226 people, um, amounting to almost $12,000, which helped me to pay for editors, to pay for illustrators, to pay for, uh, someone to do the book cover design and, you know, formatting and all of this kind of stuff, right. Marketing. So, it was a vehicle for me to practice what I'm talking about in the book and also just being in this trust and the receptivity of getting messages, right. And being supported not only financially through like the Kickstarter, but also being supported with attracting the people that I needed to manifest the book. And really this very clear awareness that I was not writing the book alone, that it was a community creation, right? Like there's, literally hundreds of people that had their fingers in this, whether it was through a donation in the Kickstarter or some advice that they gave or a quote that they gave in the book. It's, it made me very aware of how interconnected and interdependent we are. And, you know, even like the moment that I decided to write the book, I was here in Copenhagen where I live and I had plans that summer to travel. This was pre-COVID. This is 2019. And there was a moment where I was on a rocky beach by myself, climbing up onto like this little cliff. And I slipped and I literally face planted on a rock mm -hmm. and just went from vertical to horizontal in like half a second. And when I got up and I looked around on both sides of myself, I was like, wow, that could have been really bad. Like I could have died. You know, I had this awareness of like, oh, if I had just fallen like two feet further to the left or two feet further to the right, like 
I might not be here right now. You know, it was a very strong slap. I felt like from mother earth, like literally mother earth kind of slapped me. And as I was laying there in meditation after this moment, I had a really clear message that you need to stay here. You're not traveling this summer. You need to stay here and finish the book. So I don't even know why I'm sharing this story, but I guess it's just something to... I have full body chills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I'm sharing this, but yeah, that's just coming up now. <laughs> that's amazing. That, yeah. Um, it feels like you... It's just beautiful that you are walking that path as you're writing and... I feel like that's one of the beautiful experiences of writing a book um, is that sense of the magic. And this was something you talked about too, is like when you're on the purpose path that magical things happen, right? Like it's, you're walking with the universe. So things, things support you or there's kind of like wind with you. Um, You also talk about this idea of because purpose isn't a thing, it's not something that we can get. I think even the energy around getting something is very contracted or, you know, whatnot. Um, but for that, you know, or it's not something you attain and then you just have and you put it in a jar and you're like, I'm done, you know? <laughs> so in lieu of that, what does purpose look like as like an ongoing experience? I mean, for me, purpose is a, it's a cyclical thing, right? So we talked earlier about this, the void space, right? So I think it's, it's almost a practice of like continually going back to this place of, I don't know. So the most pure expression of purpose has to come from this nothingness of, I don't know who I am and I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what I'm about because once we get fixed in this concept of like, you know, I'm an author or I'm an astrologer or whatever. And we take that on as an identity. It can keep us contained and keep us contracted. And while that might be true that I am, or I am writing a book or I was writing a book when I take on that as an identity, then it becomes sort of this burden, right? And it actually limits the other millions of possibilities of things that I could be doing with my time, energy, attention, and money. So I see it as a cyclical thing and it has a lot to do with listening and letting go always and reinventing yourself, right? Um, even if there's going to be a common thread in all of the things that you're manifesting and creating and sharing that there's an openness to the forum or the format or the audience or the vehicle for your expression and that we don't ever get really fixed in something like that, that we're able to change um, and to let go of the forms that we create and die with them and go back to this place all the time of like, I'm nothing and just wait and just sit in this nothingness and wait until we get a true impulse to move that we're not moving from this idea of I need to do this or I want to do that or I have to accomplish this. Um, but yeah, sitting in that stillness long enough for the true movement to come, which is really uncomfortable for us because it's just not the way that we're trained. 
Right. And the pressures and anxieties of keeping things moving according to whatever paradigm we're in or the bills that we need to pay or all of that. It's really an interesting balance. Um, And, you know, I'm feeling I'm like really taking in what you were saying about the difference, you know, earlier with like legacy and building an empire versus building a wave. Um, Because I, I can't say that I've always been on the wave side of things. I've definitely had ambition and wanted to achieve things and all of that. And I would find that the trying to accomplish things when I believed it was all about me, it didn't work. And I would have to either unpeel parts of my ego back, but I would also have to take in the community and like realizing how I was connected to others in order to find my way to the place that I was looking to go, which ended up looking like asking for a lot, asking for a lot of advice and mm. other people to be part of the process. And then now on the other side, not that I've made it and I'm done seeking because I still ask people for advice, but I'm also an advice giver. So I find mm. myself on this chain. Um, but I remember it, I didn't know that before I set out, it was a discovery in the process of like, if I'm actually just being selfish and I'm like trying to accomplish something for my own glory or whatever, the universe is a much more closed off place. And it's just, I think there is a sense of relationship that's inherent to reality and that we can become really buffered from it if structurally we have certain resources or, you know, we can put ourselves in a tower, but the tower is going to fall eventually if it's not true, you know? So, but just thinking about like what it really means to drop into a more connected place. And I think that for me feeling into that has been kind of amorphous. Like there's, different paradigms that are all blending together. And so just to get the languaging of a wave versus an empire, is like a really cool thing to introduce into the conversation because, um, I still talk about legacy and things like that. And so just talking with you is having me like reflect and reconsider of like, is there a better word that I could use and probably, yeah. you know, yeah. And not to say that, um, creating structure and form or leaving a legacy is a bad thing. Um, but it's just, where is it coming from? Like, is the intention to build, you know, like an ego shrine? <laughs> or is the intention to build like a community space or, you know, something that's going to continue giving um, and that has its own energy and has its own life, you know? So in a sense, like the book is a legacy, right? It's something that I will leave behind in some form once my body is gone from this planet and also it's just a it's a transmission that doesn't belong to me right so what I was really aware of in writing the book as I was writing it and even after writing it I see people writing blogs or Facebook posts or whatever that are basically saying very similar things and it just reminds me that actually I didn't invent any of this information, right? I put it into a form, I packaged it and I put words around it. But this is actually, what I'm talking about is kind of universal wisdom or it's something that's 
downloaded from collective consciousness that doesn't belong to me. And when I see other coaches or speakers or authors talking about the same concepts, it's really a a practice to not feel threatened by that or to feel like bitterness or resentment of like, oh, they stole my idea or like, oh, they're going to, you know, get known for this, you know, in Meanwhile, you know, my little book is just unknown and nobody knows me, this kind of thing, like this poor ego thing. And instead, actually looking at it is like, hey, these people who are saying the same things and sharing similar work, they're teammates. It's not competition. We're all serving the same purpose. We're all part of the same wave. And how beautiful is that to see that I'm participating in this global movement that's happening around purpose and that it's not a me show, you know, it's not the Wendy show. <laughs> I love that you're sharing your experience with this because it's super relatable. I mean, even with astrology, for example, we're all talking about the same language. We may have different techniques or different visions, but sometimes we do say similar things as each other. And I think it's really, um, that realization of like, oh, other astrologers are my colleagues, they're teammates, they're people that I want to be friends with and see at conferences for the rest of my life, you know, not that they're like competition. And also even feeling into how much astrology has meant to me and how healing and important and beautiful it's been in my life. And that I actually, I want the message to be spread. And yeah, there is kind of like that allowing it to be abundant in that way. Um, and I think it's worth noting too, I was telling you this before we started recording, but we connected some time back and we had like a, a WhatsApp, like phone call and we were just talking about things, but, um, you, you talked about some, like a content creator on YouTube, uh, an astrologer and how they share pictures and, uh, speak. And at that point I was too afraid to be on video on YouTube. So you telling me that in conversation, I got all sparked and I was like, I'm going to create a YouTube channel or I'm going to do this. And I made a few videos without my face in it. And then I had a dream where I made a YouTube video with my face in it and I switched over, <laughs> but I really like that conversation that I had with you was what sparked me to get on YouTube and here, you know, it's like a year later. So we did connect a long time ago. Um, and it happened. So I was telling you that I have the, the sense that you have that impact on people that you, um, are relational and, in your, your way of being and how you then interact with others, because you're carrying this transmission of listening and being with, um, and unpeeling layers and considering, um, purpose that you would have a, an influence on others around you in that way. And I think that that's something when it comes to creating a product in the marketplace or something, it's like people can have ideas, but you can also be a person who's engaging with people. And that's never something that can be imitated. Like you're always you. Um, and you have the people that you're meant to cross paths with and the universe will, will resource us uh, with the relationships that we need to have um, personally and in work. Um, 
regardless of who else is out there <laughs> doing the thing, sharing the message and all of that. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, purpose is both, it can be formed, but it's also formless, right? So these random conversations that you have with people and, you know, thank you for remembering and acknowledging that. And it's also a reminder to everyone who's listening that you have no idea how you're impacting other people just by showing up and being present and being yourself. And you don't need to figure out what your purpose is because just the sheer fact that you exist means that there's a purpose for your existence, right? That's how the, I don't know, at least that's how I see the metaphysics of it working. You know, it's kind of impossible for you not to have a purpose if you exist. So it's, uh, yeah, embracing both the form and the formless as far as expressing our purpose goes. And sometimes it is just a, a word or a sentence or, you know, a conversation that you have with somebody that's going to set their life in a different direction or help them expand in some way that you might not ever even hear about, but it's happening all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, really taking that in as something I was thinking about this the other day as a receptivity practice where we might like to see the fruits of our actions in the world. Um, but when we don't, and we're just showing up with integrity and with love and all of that, then there is a ripple that we're making. We might not know the impact. We might not see it, but to trust it and maybe then let people know, you know, when it happens, like I love following the chain of connections, like meeting a friend through a friend and then all these other things happen. And it's like, it can boil down to that person introducing us. And I'm like, do you know what you just created and helped bring into the world by making a simple connection? Um, and just really trusting that and not, um, needing to see all the evidence of it, I think can be really powerful. Yeah. It's nice to tell people when they impact you that way. I actually had this experience just last weekend. I met this guy who I had never really spoken to before, but he knew me and he said, it's interesting how I know you. I know who you are. I'm like, okay, why? And he said, a year and a half ago, my best friend came here to this island and he was grieving. He had just lost his wife of 27 years to cancer a few months before. And he was on a holiday with his two adult children and he was on a boat with you. And he had a conversation with you and he came back from this boat trip and he told me, hey, I met this woman, Wendy, and I, I mean, long story short, basically he told this friend that he felt for the first time a glimmer of hope that he could love again. Not that he like fancied me or, or anything necessarily, but to be honest with you, I don't even remember what the content of that conversation was. And when it was brought up to me, I just remember the feeling that I had of the conversation. I just remember feeling really touched by his story and feeling how much he loved his wife. I don't remember that I said anything significant to him or gave him advice or, you know, but he went back and told his friend, like, wow, I feel like maybe I'll love again someday. And I'm like, wow, thank you for telling me that because I would have completely forgotten about that interaction. It wasn't really something spectacular to me, I guess, but it had a huge impact on someone else's life. I love that. 
That's so beautiful. I mean, I'm curious too, just kind of what your, your life is like these days. You live in Thailand, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it just seems like you following your path, writing this book, like you are inspiring. I'm curious, just like what your, your day-to-day life is like at this point. <laughs> it's really hard to say because every day is so different. Um, yeah, I do a lot of different things here. I'm sort of um, sometimes supporting friends who are hosting transformational retreats. Sometimes I just stay in my house with my cat for days on end and meditate or sleep. <laughs> sometimes I go to the beach. Um, sometimes I go to cafes and sit with my laptop and write posts. Um, yeah, I receive a lot of different kinds of healing sessions, massages and Reiki and you know, this kind of thing is really abundant here. And I have a lot of friends who are practitioners of different healing arts. So I'm blessed to be able to receive that on a regular basis. And uh, yeah, at the moment, I also feel like I'm a bit in transition. So I've been with this book entity, Regenerative Purpose for Oh, two and a half, almost three years now from the time when I sort of decided I was going to start writing it, which was towards the end of 2018. And I feel like uh, I'm not done with it yet. Life is not letting me be done with it yet <laughs> uh, because there's still, you know, interviews that are happening and uh, talks and different conferences that are inviting me to speak about it. So I feel like that's... Um, it's a toddler, this book, but I still need to kind of give it a little bit of care before it can just run off into the world and be its own person or be its own entity. So, but I feel that that's trailing off probably in 2021, maybe by the end of this year. And I'm starting to focus a lot more energy on deepening in my study of the Enneagram, which is sort of an esoteric wisdom tradition that I've been trained in. And I'm feeling a lot more. Uh, energy wanting to go deeper into that and to develop offerings around that, whether it's online courses or in-person workshops. So as far as my creative life and my work life goes, I feel like there's a ramping down with the regenerative purpose and a ramping up with the Enneagram that's happening in 2021. Uh, And also with being here now continuously for I guess a year and a half because of the pandemic. I haven't traveled like I would normally. I feel much more rooted here and I feel much more connected to the community. Also because everyone else here has been here for more than a year, which I think has probably never happened in the history of the world where everyone here has been here for solid, at least for a year. Um, And that feels really grounding. And I'm feeling this urge to nest a little bit more. Like I want to maybe look for land and build a house of my own and just, yeah, build some roots here. That's where I am, I guess, personally. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I'm relating to that nesting rooting feeling too. Fellow Taurus moon also. (laughs) It's just, it's nice. Um, so how can people find the book and, um, work with you and like what um what are some of the the kinds of things that you do with clients or 
students. Yeah, my website uh, and my social media, they're all Hey Wendy May. So heywendymay.com is where you can find all of the things, including my book, um, as well as the audio book. So I have made an audio version as well for people who are more auditory. Um, the work that I'm doing now around regenerative purpose is uh, group-based, uh, just because that seems to fit the ethos of the book more, right? So that it's not the Wendy show, but I'm holding circles where people can uh, co-create an integrative process around living the principles of regenerative purpose. So I've created a program that is a journey over 11 weeks uh, with different content modules related to things in the book. And I call it Purpose Collab. So this is a process for people to go deeper into some of these topics, right? So like we spend a week on authenticity, you spend a week on attunement, right? So all the different principles that I talk about in the book, devotional decision-making, owning your privilege, purpose, commitments, uh, the different qualities, authenticity, attunement, responsiveness, receptivity. Um, so that's sort of my main offering, I guess. Um, apart from the book itself, there's the collab circles. And what I'm doing now is actually sort of I guess in alignment with this principle of sort of not wanting to own and control it, I'm empowering other coaches and facilitators to lead these circles as well. So I think instead of just hosting these circles for people who want to receive this for their own personal development, I'm moving towards holding circles for people that are coaches who want to create these circles for other people in their own communities and allowing that to spread. So I'm, yeah, I'm doing this with coaches so that then afterwards they can take the same program with the same model and the same frameworks and the same concepts and structures and, you know, add their own unique flavor and twist and interpretation to it and take it to their own communities. That's really cool that you've um, built something that can be shared um, and spread like that. And I know that takes, that's like an archetype architectural kind of awareness, not just to create a program, but to, um, create something that can, um, create wave patterns like that. So that's super cool. Um, thank you so much for joining me and really appreciate just the magic that you are and that you bring into um, your work and your presence um, and the waves that that is creating in the world. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. You can find the link to purchase and read the book Regenerative Purpose in the notes, as well as find Wendy on social media. You can find me on social media as well at Sabrina Monarch. If you're new here, I also share weekly forecasts to this podcast, as well as on my YouTube channel, Sabrina Monarch. And currently at the time of releasing this episode, my next evolutionary astrology intensive is also open for enrollment. If you want to learn the language of evolutionary astrology and transform and open your relationship to soul-based astrology forever onward. And what else? 
Oh, if you have been enjoying this podcast, I would love to read your review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. If you take a screenshot of your review before you click submit and email that screenshot to me at sabrina at monarchastrology.com, I'll send you a resource library about creating and elevating your reality, several hours of content about the intersection between astrology and manifestation. All right. I hope that you have a beautiful rest of your day. Thank you for tuning into this podcast with me. I love you. Stay magical. Stay magical.